0: Hallelujah. Thank you for that, Brother Ryan. And I myself most definitely needed to hear those words. You know, I had half half of this put together. And then I said, well, I'll do the other half, you know, before the Sabbath. And here comes the evil one with his attack. Basically, uh, I was told... Your worship is nothing. You're nothing. You respect Yahweh one day, and then the next day you don't respect him. So I figured, well, you know, a lot of it is true. We do sin against Yahweh, but do we repent is the key. Are we sincere in our repentance? And so I use that as motivation. And then here is how some people will take the words of Yahweh. (laughs) After hearing the wedding vows, one kid asked his friend, how many wives is a man allowed to have? The answer is 16. For better, for worse, for richer, for poor. Four times four equals 16. This is how some people understand things. You're talking about children. Children listening to grown men and women making a vow before Yahweh. So I took my inspiration from Second Timothy 3.16. Brother Ryan was speaking there on inspiration. When you go before Yahweh, when you get your pen and your pad and you go to hear... A message from Yahweh. What are you looking for? What do you hope to find? For instance, am I gonna sit here and crack jokes all day? Or am I gonna crack a whip? Which one is it gonna be? So, 2 Timothy 3:16, all scripture is breathed out by Elohim and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for setting straight for instruction and in righteousness. That the man of Elohim might be fitted, equipped for every good work. So it says there, all scripture, not just some of it. We read in the study this morning that the Jews were doing certain fastings on certain times. Now that wouldn't apply to everybody, right? But this here says that all scripture is profitable for teaching. So meaning you can use it for the right reason. We can use it for the wrong reason. Some people use the words of Yahweh to make money. That's all they know. And see, they have to pay a price for that. And so I was looking at a commentary and I said, what what, what does the commentary say about this scripture? Well, one of them stood out because it says that we can only apply this to the Old Testament. Well, it says here all of it. You look up the definition, it means all of it, right? When when Ananias and Sapphira sold their property, they said they were going to give all the money to the apostles, but they didn't give all the money, you see? So this here tells me that I can go from Genesis to Revelation, and I can apply that. I can use it for my benefit, right? Like when I sin, I can go to the scriptures, And I can see examples of other people sinning. Okay, and what did they do? Did they go to Yahweh? Did they repent? And you can see people. You can even see a sorcerer that repented supposedly and went and got baptized. So is this still happening today? Yes, it is. So one question I ask is, well, okay, I read the scripture. Well, why is the word inspired? Because people have questions when you talk to them about the word of Yahweh. What's interesting that Ryan was uh, uplifted by that song. Well, when I was talking to uh, Elder Bob, I asked him, okay, you tell me, why is the word inspired? So we came to one conclusion. Well, because Yahshua lives. That's why we sang that song. Because he lives. You and I could face tomorrow. That's what the lyrics say. Right? So hallelujah. And forget the bank, you can take it to the treasury. Yahshua lives, he's in the heavens. He knows what we're going through. He knows that one day we're all gonna die. He already went through that. And so we have the words of Yahshua as a matter of fact to inspire us. So I ask a question: why is the word inspired? Is the apostle Paul the only one who said this? Is he the only one that said that the word of Yahweh inspired? Let's go to 2nd Peter. All the scriptures are up here. You can write them down, look them up later, you can meditate, you can do your own study, come up with your own conclusion. 2nd Peter chapter 1 verses 19 through 21 it says, "And we have the prophetic word made more certain, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts knowing this first that no prophecy of scripture came to be of one's own interpretation for prophecy never came by the desire of man but men of Elohim spoke being moved by the set-apart spirit so as a matter of fact Peter right here is verifying Paul. Why? Because he said, men of Elohim spoke, being moved by the set of our spirit. That's what Isaiah did. That's what Moses did. That's what all the writers of Scripture did. And that's why Paul used this to help Timothy along the way. And he's helping us also, because... He also has qualifications for the eldership. Who is Paul that he should tell us what an elder, you know, what his qualifications should be? Well, what did Paul do? Well, he went to the Torah. That's where he got those qualifications from. That's where he got all his information from. And on top of that, he was taught personally by the master. So the last part of 2 Peter here, 121, When you're talking about prophecy, it answers the question as to why the word of Yahweh is inspired. That's why it says you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. That's what Yahweh's word is doing right now. It is shining in a dark world. That's why you have people that are confident that Yahweh is going to bring them through no matter What device man makes, no matter what virus man makes, no matter what vaccine they want to inject inside you, Yahweh is the one that brings you through the same way. He even turned his face against Yahshua, but what happened? Yahshua was allowed to be raised from the dead by Yahweh's spirit. So as a matter of fact, whenever we sing or speak under inspiration, Of Yahweh, we prophesy. Uh, Brother Ryan was reading there Psalm 22. Psalm 22. If you key in on verse 3, it says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. We use Yahweh's name. We use Yahshua's name when we praise and give them glory. We do it under the inspiration of Yahweh's spirit. Maybe you're not baptized yet. Maybe you haven't had that spirit come upon you. But you you will still do it in sincerity. And Yahweh will bring you to that point. Over in Numbers. We'll take Numbers chapter 11, verse 29. Interesting scripture here. Moses passes on down his spirit to the 70. There are two of them stayed outside, and here comes Joshua saying, hey, look, these are over there prophesying. What's going on here? Then Moshe said to him, are you jealous for my sake? Oh, that all the people of Yahweh were prophets, that Yahweh would put his spirit upon them. The second part has happened. Yahweh poured out his spirit over there in the book of Acts. Not all of Yahweh's people are prophets, but you can still prophesy. You can speak under inspiration. You can come up here. You can give a special. You can edify someone. You can bring someone to tears. The goodness of Yahweh is meant to bring us to repentance. That's what the scripture says. That's why he is kind to us. He could easily just demolish us and destroy us. And then what would be the point? We wouldn't be able to praise him anymore. That's why he asks of us to also have mercy on others and be compassionate the same way he is. You want to be forgiven? You have to forgive. You have to let go of the bitterness. You have to let go of that anger. And as Elder Randy had mentioned, how many sermons did he give? What was it? Nine sermons on the fruit of the Spirit? That's a lot of fruits there. One of them is faith. You got to have faith. That's actually a fruit and a gift, times two. 1 Corinthians 14, 5. And even Paul echoes what Moses was saying. 1 Corinthians 14, 5. Now I wish you all spoke with tongues, but rather that you might prophesy... For he who is prophesying is greater than he who is speaking in tongues. Unless he interprets so that the assembly might receive a building. I think a lot of people miss that scripture. He who prophesies is greater. I could come up here, I could speak in Spanish, I could give you a sermon in Spanish, but so what? Half wouldn't understand what I'm saying. Right? But when you prophesy, I'm speaking in your language. We speak to each other in our language, and we uplift one another. So what if you had a hard week? Today is the Sabbath day. Yahweh says to rejoice on the Sabbath day. That doesn't mean that, you know, we're not going to feel bad for one another if, you know, things are tough. But you're in before the king of the universe, He doesn't want us sobbing in his throne room. So One question that was asked by Elder Allen in one of his sermons, what happened to true worship today? A lot of people that are on the outside, they look at us to see what we're doing. Well, we also look at what other people are doing. What are other people preaching about? How are they comprehending the scriptures? One system of worship believes that they have authority to change the very day that Yahweh sanctified and set aside for all men to worship him. I mean, if you're a workaholic, well, that's you. But Yahweh says, you know what? Take a break. You need a break. He knows you need a break. The Sabbath was made for man. For what? To worship. To refuel. If you work six days, and I couldn't imagine being a farmer for six days. I couldn't imagine five days. So just imagine when Yahweh says, take a break. That's for our benefit. Another system has decided we are not allowed to call on the holy names of Yahweh and Yahshua. Picture someone Telling the master, you're not allowed to use that name. What? I mean, what are you talking about? There are two Psalms, not just one. For a double witness, there are two Psalms. You can write it down. fourteen one and one. They say exactly the same thing, verbatim. The fool has said in his heart, there is no Elohim or mighty one. You look up that word foolish, is the equivalent of being a wicked person. There are people out there that are saying this to themselves. They believe it. It's their religion because they worship themselves. They try to tell us that. But Yahweh knows different. Yahweh has broken those barriers. Those very same people have come into his truth. Imagine that. Go to 2 Peter 2 13 through 18. The word of Yahweh is inspired. You can trust it. Translations have mistakes, but Yahweh makes no mistakes. All he has to do is tell you, obey me, and that should be sufficient, but he doesn't. He lays out a plan of salvation through the festivals. And that's why we're glad when the festivals come around. We get to meet him again, besides on the Sabbath. Second Peter 3.13, on down through verse 18. It says, But according to his promise, we wait for a renewed heavens and a renewed earth in which righteousness dwells. So then, beloved ones, looking forward to this, Do your utmost to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. And reckon the patience of our master as deliverance, as also our beloved brother Shaul wrote to you, according to the wisdom given to him, as also in all his letters, speaking in them concerning these matters, in which some are hard to understand, which those who are untaught and unstable twist to their own destruction as they also do other scriptures. So we have a couple of messages there. You're looking for the promise of Yahweh. How are you supposed to be found when he gets here? Are you supposed to be found in chaos and mayhem? No, it says in peace, spotless and blameless. How do you know what is spotless and blameless? Well, that's why you have the Torah. The patience of our master, the patience that Yahshua had, it says to consider that as salvation. You go through a lot of trials in your life, or maybe you don't go through a lot of trials, but whatever you do, you're still going to die. Now the question is, do you want to live with the master? Do you want to know what plan he has for you? Nobody here knows what they're going to be doing in the kingdom until they get there. So the thing is to get there, right? And so it says here that in all the letters, the ones that we have, the ones that maybe didn't survive, whatever Paul wrote, he spoke of the same thing that Peter was writing about right there in 2 Peter 3. You talk about the new heaven, the new earth, Paul wrote about that. You talk about resurrection, Paul wrote about that. You talk about repentance, love your neighbor as yourself, Paul wrote about that. Everything Peter wrote about, everything James wrote about, all of them, list them, all of them. Everything Yahshua wrote about, Paul wrote about it. So it's legitimate. That's what Peter is saying. He's backing him up. And so there was a couple of instances, you know, where Peter had to get rebuked, you know, Let me keep on reading here. It says, you then, beloved ones, being forewarned, watch, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the delusion of lawlessness. Somebody tells you Paul's not legitimate. But grow in the favor and knowledge of our master and savior, Yahshua. To him be the esteem both now, today, and the day that abides, so be it. In these scriptures, Peter is telling us, Shape up since the heavens and earth will be destroyed. We can go out. We can see Yahweh's creation. Yahweh is going to destroy it and start all over again. Why? Because of our sins. He needs to clean it up. Start fresh. Just like when the flood destroyed everything. Except eight souls. Consider. Let's take eight people out of this group here. That's all that was saved. That's it. Everything, everything was gone. Everything Yahweh made after he said it was all good. We destroyed it. He says that Paul spoke of everything. Both men were taught by Yahshua, and again, aside from the matter in Acts 15, they had a dispute there. And Paul rebuking Peter, in one instance, they were in agreement. Paul is in agreement with the other apostles. It took them a while to warm up, but they were in agreement. Paul, in the letters to Timothy, 2 Peter 3.16, he was encouraging him not to be timid and to conduct himself like a champion in the faith. You might be young, but you can still do a lot of good. See, a lot of us have more capacity. It doesn't matter if I've been here however long. A kid can come up and in a couple of years, surpass me, because that's Yahweh's doing. You see? That's how Yahweh works. That's why when uh, we read about that parable, you know, this guy came in, he worked one hour, he got the same pay as the other guy that was there for 10, 11 hours. What's going on here? Well, Yahweh is the one giving the rewards. If he wants to be merciful over here, he can do that. If he wants to forgive this person, he can do that. The people were wondering... This man was persecuting us. He was throwing us into prison, making us blaspheme. And now he's an apostle walking with the master? Yes, that's what Yahshua said. He said he is a chosen vessel of mine. I'm going to show him what he has to suffer for my namesake. People look at Paul and they say this and that. But what about the suffering he went through? He didn't suffer at all? He did a lot of suffering, just like King David did. A lot of us, we go through a lot of suffering. But as the first message said, Hey, in the kingdom, there's going to be a lot of joy. There's going to be a lot of rejoicing. If you come to the feast, there's going to be a lot of rejoicing. You're going to have some bumps here and there. But you get in there, you get your feet wet. It's going to be fun. Yahweh designed that way. Yahweh designed it that way. That's why he says to rejoice. What other Elohim tells you? To go to a feast and rejoice. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. You worked hard. And it's his feast. It's not our feast. He's just inviting us to the feast. In these last days, there is a flood of info coming through all kinds of ways. All kind of information. You got no idea. Who can I trust nowadays? You can trust the scriptures. You can trust the word of Yahweh. Mainstream media gives us gloom and doom and slides in a fuzzy feel-good story here and there. If you listen to it, 30 minutes, one feel-good story here and there. Everything else is gloom and doom. You need to do this, you need to do that, blah, blah, blah. You go to the Psalms, I mean, you get another picture. The world continues in carnality. How many people... Out of the many you share truth with, are quick to dismiss you. It's pretty sad. You try to share truth with somebody, oh, I don't want to hear it. You got better things to do. Matthew 13 says one out of four will bear fruit. One out of four. Some people think that if they wait until the last minute to repent, they'll be fine. That's what some people think. Yahweh is patient and wishes that none would perish. But we have plenty of examples of man rejecting the truth of Yahweh. We have a we have an example from Yahshua's own mouth. If you go to Matthew chapter eleven, Matthew chapter eleven, verses twenty-three, and, and it's it's Interesting that the second verse has some promise in there. It says, And you, Kephar Nahum, who were exalted to the heaven, shall be brought down to the grave. Because if the miracles which were done in you had been done in Saddam, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more bearable for the land of Saddam in the day of judgment than for you. Just let that sink in for a minute. If the miracles that were done in Capernaum and Yahshua's place where he came up, if they were done in Saddam, they would have repented. It would have remained to this day. Yahweh rained fire and brimstone on that place, which you can still see today. And Yahshua says, if miracles would have been done there, they would have repented. What about you? And what about I? It shouldn't take a miracle for us to repent in our day and age. But for some people, they want signs. I need to see a sign from Yahweh. If we hate what we see, like Lot did when he lived in Saddam, then the scriptures don't lie. So if that went there, into, we see it in our day and age. Just like La, he couldn't stand it. It took Yahweh sending messengers there to get him out of there. You go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Genesis 3, verse 15, it says... And I put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall crush your head and you shall crush his heel. If you got the ISR or the scriptures version, there's a a footnote there. It says this is the first promise of the Messiah right there in Genesis. Yahweh put enmity. I was thinking the other day. There's a reason why certain people don't want to come around you. There's a reason why certain people don't want to be your friend. There's a reason why they don't want anything to do with you. Why is that? Well, it says that if you were of the world, the world would love its own, right? So that means that if you're not of the world, then that's why the worldly people don't want anything to do with you. So if we're walking... In those fustas, that means that we must be on the right track, right? In Romans chapter 8, and you know, this, this should inspire you. If you're having a hard time, this should motivate you that you're on the right track, that you're doing your best to do the right thing. And so what if some people they don't want to be your friend? Well, what can we do? If they don't love Yahweh and he does so much for them, We have an answer in Romans 8. uh, The verses are not there, but it's 7 through 10. Because the mind of the flesh is enmity towards Elohim, for it does not subject itself to the Torah of Elohim, neither indeed is it able. And those who are in the flesh are unable to please Elohim. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of Elohim dwells in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Messiah, this one is not his. And if Messiah is in you, the body is truly dead on account of sin, but the spirit is life on account of righteousness. These are encouraging words, and it tells us why. The question, why? Why won't people listen? When Yahweh is good to people, why won't they listen? When you do kind gestures for people, why do they turn around and repay you as if you did something evil? This answers the question. Enmity is hatred towards Yahweh. It's a hatred towards Yahweh. You look up that word enmity in Genesis 3.15 and you look it up in Romans 8.7, same definition. Of course, one is Hebrew, one is Greek, but it's the same definition. It's a hatred towards Yahweh so this answers the question and if the spirit of him who raised Yahshua from the dead dwells in you he who raised Messiah from the dead shall also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit dwelling in you how many promises do we need from almighty Yahweh he's telling you if you have the Holy Spirit of Yahshua he's going to raise you up just like he raised up Yahshua, you do the work, the rewards are going to come later. Yeshua's going to come with his rewards. He's going to reward you for your hard work. Again, the, the word there in Strong's Hebrew and Greek means hostility or hatred. That's the same thing that Paul was doing. He was hostile. He had a lot of hatred. And then... He had an encounter with Yahshua, and that's when everything changed. Nobody forced the apostle into that encounter. No, he was headed to drag some people down in Damascus, and Yahshua said, that's it, that's enough. Now I have to show you, now I have to teach you a lesson that you were looking at the Torah in the wrong way. So when this is how we feel towards Yahweh in regard to hostility and hatred or things that are good and right, we will never please Yahweh. You can never please Yahweh when you're being hostile towards his people. We, we have that example right there in the word of how Yahweh got through. The Pharisees got mad at Yahshua because he healed on the Sabbath. How many people get mad at you when you do something good on the Sabbath? Many of them, not all of them, were at enmity with Yahweh. We read also there, many people believed in Yahshua. Many Pharisees believed in him, but they didn't want to do it openly. Why? Because they want to get kicked out of the synagogue. So we have the same thing going on in our day and age. I remember as a kid going to Sunday church, and I remember people, gang members, pointing fingers at me and laughing at me. And then one of their own repented. And I wondered, wow, what are they going to do to him? He told me, I don't care what they do to me. And he walked up and down the same streets with the Bible in hand, preaching the word as he knew it. You know, that says a lot. It says a lot when you have that bonus from Yahweh. That's, that's, it speaks to the ministry. The ministry speaks. Speaks the word boldly. Doesn't matter what people out there say. And now there's people from other countries tuning in because they want to hear, you know, what Yahweh is doing for the brothers and sisters. If the word got to you, then Yahweh is doing his work. Imagine that. If you live in another country and Yahweh is speaking to you there from the states, Yahweh is doing his job. He's using the ministry. And we appreciate as usual, all the help that we can get. Over in John chapter 5, we have another situation. You know, the people there, Yeshua was only in his 30s. He's talking about Abraham, saw his day and so on. But we'll read there, John five thirty seven to 39. It says, And the Father who sent me, he bore witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form. And you do not have his word staying in you because you do not believe him whom he sent. You search the scriptures because you think you possess everlasting life in them. And these are the ones that bear witness of me. So Yahweh bears witness of Yahshua. He does it through the scriptures, but he also did it through the works that Yahshua did. All the healings that he did, he told the people, if you don't believe me, that's fine. But look at the works that I'm doing. These are bearing witness of Yahweh, that he can heal, that he can forgive, that he can inspire you to do better, to be a better person, to change the way you think, the way you look at others. When people are suffering, it's not always because of sin. took me a while to learn that. Especially then when it comes around to you, you have to ask yourself, well, wait a minute, why... If I'm trying to do good, then why am I suffering? Well, lessons. Yahweh teaches us lessons. So, a couple of comments I'd like to close with. The scriptures are ancient words that have moved many to strive to change from their carnal ways. Are you suffering, sickness, pain? Are you doubting? Never give up. As stubborn as the people were to go away from Yahweh, Do this in coming to Yahweh. You encounter situations, don't give up on Yahweh. Yahweh won't give up on you. This process may be easy for some, while for others, it takes a lifetime to overcome one simple silly habit. It will take you 20, 30, your whole lifetime just to overcome. It might be a silly habit, but a lot of things are hindering us from coming to Yahweh and being at peace. Yahshua is the ultimate witness as he inspired the apostles to leave everything and follow him. They left everything, father, mother, everything. By the way, the feast days are most definitely inspired as they refresh us and teach us about serving in the kingdom. Blessed be Yahweh our king, every blessing of Yahshua be upon you. Thank you for your time and your attention.